Um, it, it's lovely to have you on our podcast. Um, uh, it, it's unusual. I, I have to be honest about why I sought after you. Um, I don't know how many people live in Canada, but um, my sister-in-law has just gone to do a PhD there, so I thought it'd be fun to speak to some people about football in Canada. That's fantastic. Where has she gone to do her she's PhD? A, she's in Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. Which I keep calling New Scotland to her because that's the only thing I can relate to, so that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but she, she's um, she's researching um, diamonds, so um, I'm going to keep that relationship alive, see how that goes in the future. That's big. I'd like to, to start a relationship if that's possible. <laughs> um, that'd be fantastic. Great. Yeah. So there's, there's about 36 million in Canada, so there's a decent chance we'll bump into her. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, should we just introduce ourselves quickly, Sai? Sai, do you want to do you want to kick off? Yeah. So um, it's it's great to chat to you guys. Um, we actually started out as a Leeds United um, podcast, um, mainly because we were just so inspired by um, the acquisition of Marcelo Bielsa as as our manager. Um, before that, we had a cavalcade of really interested managers like Paul Heckingbottom um, and David Hockaday, who even in, even those that sort of anoraks in the lower leagues um, of the UK, just who are these guys? Uh, And, um, you know, their collective IQ was probably close to 30. Um, And so they didn't really inspire much confidence um, uh, in in Leeds fans. And then suddenly this enigmatic um, genius appeared um, and just sort of created this whole style and philosophy of football. So we actually started up a, a, a Legion United podcast that linked football and philosophy because both Stu and I, I also, um, we're really interested in philosophy as well, but, but inspired by Marcello Bielsa. And um, this season is slightly different in that actually we've decided to branch out. So although I'm wearing my Leeds United top, actually um, the outsiders um, came out of that Leeds United podcast. So we're actually just talking about football more generally um, with teams in the UK, around the world, um, but also linking that with philosophy. So we've spoken to a number of professors of philosophy, um, some guys that are working in the game professionally for um, particularly, um, we we're just talking recently to a guy called Eust, who works for a number of clubs in Holland, um, mm-hmm. professional clubs there. So um, like FC Twente and, and teams like that. Um, he's a statistical philosopher, which um, I've never heard Stuart be so quiet when he was talking. Um, which is <laughs> hilarious. But, um, but yeah, no, it was, it, it, it's, it's sort of been a mad journey really. And it sort of led us to this point where actually talking about football and philosophy means we just get to meet really, interesting folk um yeah, yeah. yeah i mean I, is there anything more we need to say there Stuart? no 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 um uh, I, i'm uh, i want to ask you a whole bunch of stuff about football in canada and um you know we're called the outsiders and you know without being disrespectful you know football in canada <laughs> it seems to us i want to talk about cultural stuff and i'll talk about a little bit about philosophy as well um uh, a slight anathema when it comes to football um because we met when we started working together and um, we commiserated over the state of Leeds United and stuff like that. But um, we, we kind of wanted to talk about football in a way that football isn't really spoken about. So we wanted to talk about, you know, how, do, how does it affect um, culturally? How does it work? You know, how does it work um, around the world? How does it work as a kind of a currency? How does it work as a communication? Um, and we, we're mad about philosophy. So we were interested in the great philosophers, um, who just by chance were interested in football as well. So my my personal, for, for example, my personal favourite philosopher is um, Camus. And um, 
he was a, uh, a goalkeeper as well. And so when you read a lot of stuff about existentialism and absurdism and the rest of it, he made like direct corollaries between, you know, how, how to live your life, um, the point of life and, um, and the inevitability of failure in football and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we, we tried to attach the two together. One thing I'm absolutely fascinated to talk to you about is um, your impressions of English people and football. Um, about, because I've been listening to your your previous podcasts, yeah, and I can't yeah. help but you know when listening to um, Liverpoolians talk about football, um, and I'm not going to again I won't insult anyone, um, but it's it's really interesting because the kind of um, conversation we're having, and if I'm being completely honest, people kind of like lash out against is intellectualizing football and try to make it again the kind of the discourse of something a bit more than kind of nasty kind of like not like the nine cliches that get passed around tribalism yeah yeah absolutely um and it's interesting because again i was listening to the one you did with the the anfield rap um Mm -hmm. and 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 that was interesting in as much as um it becomes kind of an echo chamber of um if you go around every single club in this country they have like their own unofficial podcast Mm -hmm. and it turns into you just replace the name of the team with the same adages and the same anecdotes and the rest of it. And it goes, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, the thing is my family are mad about it and, you know, and no one else understands. And, and we want that and uh, Leeds United are, are an interesting team. What do you, do, what's your understanding of Leeds United and, um, and their heritage? Do you, uh, do you follow them in any way, shape or form? Definitely. I, um, I had a coach who was from the area just outside Leeds. I, I want to, I think it's Hemsworth town. It's called, I believe so, if that's correct or if I'm totally making that up, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that's where it was. So um, I used to watch all the, the, the VHS tapes. I'm dating myself now as an older man of the Revy yeah. sides and you know, the Giles and Bremner and Hunter and like what a right. team that was. And I remember watching one, like the tape started off. Well, it was like the history of Leeds United up to like 1988 at the time or something like that. And there's one, where they make like 36 passes in a row. So it's like tiki-taka pre the Barca days. And they're they're just, the crowd's doing the Olays. And I'm just like this young Canadian kid thinking, what the hell am I? This is is brilliant. I think that might be the famous game against Southampton where they're just tripping it over the players and playing it back and forward. And the back little things and stuff. And it was just like, what a show. Like, so like, it's a massive club. So the, the managers you mentioned, like we... I wouldn't say I sat there and, and look, tried to to follow them, but I heard the names and I was like, "What are these guys doing at a club like that?" Yeah, you know, so yeah, yeah. it's a it was a sleeping giant again for a long period of time. So, yeah, you know, I think I know quite a quite a bit about them. It's such it's a big time club for sure, and yeah. I'm I'm happy to jump on back. you too. I'll jump on you too, Steve, because Steve, this is perfect. Where Steve jumped in on like his knowledge and the 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 more knowledgeable people who followed this game for a long time here will know of the Bremners and the Hunters and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But funnily enough, I mean, I know the man cities of the world and, you know, the, the, the plastic culture, whatever you guys oh, call yeah. it uh, over there, it's almost leads in that fashion because in Canada, mm-hmm. we've now had like this television revival where we get every game in the world anytime we want live. So right. leads, are unknown to this new generation because they were down for so long about 16 years away from yeah yeah and now that they've popped up again with this bielsa you know it's like a big so it's almost like 
you see more leads interest than yeah. as like, cause it's generation. You guys saw Chelsea kits a while back. You see mm-hmm. city kits now. And now it's almost like leads are this new flavor that almost like wow. popped up out of nowhere to this new generation. So that's, that's an interesting take on what I see anyway around here. So, so, so uh, leads hit in the news in Canada. Yeah, big time. I mean, Bielsa is like, how yeah. do you not follow that guy? Like, like, let's be honest. He's a mad genius. He's a he's a frigging character. He's eating sunflower seeds on a bucket on the side of the field. Like, it's just fascinating to watch someone like that, right? But he knows his stuff, right? Like, he's he's producing a, a, a style of football. I think it suits Leeds well as like, you know, if you go with their culture, what they what they want to see. Like, I think that's that's in line with them. Can I ask you guys, is that like, is Bielsa turning this around and getting a lot of interest from you guys more now? Because we look at like like Newcastle, for example, as they always say, you know, we want to play attacking football. We don't care if we if we lose 5-4 as long as we're attacking. Is Leeds the same thing? Like, do you guys really want this manager that's attacking, attacking, attacking and kind of you'd rather lose a couple of games here and there, but play attractive stuff. Is that how it's, how it what's, is? What's, what's interesting about, about Leeds and Leeds fans is um, I think were you to, and I'm sure it's the same with most football clubs. Were you to ask 16 Leeds fans about what our identity is as a footballing side, particularly our footballing philosophy, you'd get 25 opinions. Um, and, and, you know, we've got the traditional history of having some really good footballers, but you know, during that that you know that early tiki taka, as you were saying, um, under under Revy, that's also where we gained the title, Dirty Leeds. Yeah. Um, because actually, there were a bunch of nutcases playing for us who, yeah. and and they sort of hunted in packs. So if somebody tried giving one player a kicking, then suddenly they'd have eleven, including our goalkeeper, and uh, giving it back. And so there's this element. I think the one thing I would say that that. Leeds is a is a working class city on the whole. Um, it's it's sort of it's starting to become more gentrified, but actually on the whole, it's working class and it's still got very strong working class roots. And Leeds United has that. So there's there's hard work. So a player can be, I, I think Stuart Dallas for me epitomizes um, Bielsa's Leeds, but also why Le- what Leeds fans are looking for because Dallas in in every single way, he's not the fastest player. He's not the most skillful. He's not the best at tackling. He's not the best at heading. But you just see this like incredible work ethic. Um, and because he fits in with, with Bielsa's system, Leeds fans have taken to him. But there are other players that we've had before who undoubtedly have been incredibly skillful. But if we get that slight hint, that sense that they're not working hard, then it's like we sort of take a step back. But then that's not, that's not just stuck to Leeds. Because I, I think if you look at some other, other uh, lots of other sides, I don't know whether it's a UK thing, like or whether, whether it's like in the British game that that's a sort of an expectation that you need to run lots um, or, or not. But I, I don't know. I, it's it's something that definitely for for me as a Leeds fan, I, I like to see that. I like to see a player that's like you know absolutely panting when they they come off the the pitch. Like I, I can be excoriating towards Patrick Bamford, our striker, and his his efficiency, but. When he does the interviews afterwards, it's hilarious because first of all, he went to a public school. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh yeah, it was an absolute war of attrition. It was absolutely, <laughs> you know. Um, but like you can see that he's he's already got like a body fat of five percent. It's like reduced over the game to about three point five. He's sort of he's 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 gone. He's but inside, gone. I'm like, yes, that's yeah. what I want from yeah. my guy who's earning thirty-five thousand pounds a week. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, in in terms of the the Canadian game, is that what, what in in terms of uh, for the the leagues that that you've been a part of? So I I know obviously the team that you were part of 
initially have, have, have folded now, but yeah. they've, they've been replaced by by another side as well. Um, yeah. Is that something that sort of fits with your game, or is it more you look towards the sort of the technical side of things? I think yeah. for us, it's heavily British influenced here, heavily, heavily, heavily. Like, like Mark could speak to it. The two of us, it, it was almost like every coach we had growing up was a British coach. So, you know, the whole you know, we are part of the monarchy and all the rest of it. So it's heavily influenced. So that attitude has, has been instilled. And then to be honest, to draw some parallels, to try and sound more philosophical or philosophy type than I am, because you scare the crap out of me when you start talking <laughs> about your education and stuff. I'm like, you got the wrong guys here. But um, <laughs> ho- hockey would be the same. Canadians, like, will have a superstar and if he's just fanning about and stuff, they're not gonna they're not gonna warm to him. They they want their superstars to block a shot and get hit in the face with a puck and lose eight teeth, and that's when they gain respect for him. Even if he gets you two hundred points a season, so it is very similar in that respect. Like uh, I don't know why I can't speak and say philosophical, but philosophically, yeah. there's a, there's a lot of parallels there. Yeah, big time. And and there's one that I that I always talk about because we're both youth coaches as well, and we coach in the city. And there's one, and I, I don't know if the name's going to ring me, but uh, was it Alex Nyarko when a, a, a supporter ran on the pitch and took his shirt off and tried to take his off because he wasn't working hard enough? And that always resonated me with, with the British culture of like, you know what? This supporter ran on the field. He was 280 pounds and holding a meat pie still. But he's like, give me the shirt because I'm going to run myself into the ground more than yeah. you are. And, and that always stuck with me. I'm like, yeah. you know what? Like, I like when Jamie Carragher slides across and kicks it into the stands to save a goal and like you know the spanish type are saying well he should have maybe slid kept it in play and made a nice but i'm like eh, he just took the guy's legs out put it in rosette and on you go we're defending a throw like i i mean it's different now but i like it and probably because we've been influenced and mm-hmm. like steve said if you didn't have a, a british accent in canada from 1980 to 1995 yeah. you you didn't have a job no yeah. one listened to you no one listens to you, we, um, even if, Stuart, even if you're a Brazilian. Yeah, like Stuart, Stuart and I, we we play football at, at a pub level. Um, so like playing for the horse. I play field. slightly below pub level. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, and it, it's sort of it's hilarious the the things that get you accolades. Um, so you're playing on these. I mean, what can only be described as bogs. Um, you know, at a 45 degree angle, um, yeah. and. You can have a really skillful player that will take it round four or five players, and it's sort of like, oh, that was all right. But you have an absolute meathead at the back who's got a vocabulary of about six words, but falls through about four players and heads the ball about thirty yards, and the the loudest sort of screams that sort of like this raw primal thing comes through. And I guess maybe there's an element in in, and that's wherever wherever you are in the country that that's sort of the same thing. Um, It's starting to change a little bit more. I've played both in the south and the north, like. England is really regional and, and so in the south there's, there's a little bit more of the, the sort of the technical side coming through but still particularly in traditional working class areas if you can't put a tackle in if you can't you know smash a header although that looks like that's going to be you know in the next 20 years I, I think heading's probably going to be banned with all yeah. the resources going through and yeah. probably a good thing actually but they're the things that get the loud cheers and yeah. I, I, we once we once invited a you mentioned about a Brazil we, we had a Brazilian lad who played number played a, sort of a, the 10 role for us but again a local sort of pub side mm-hmm. I mean he, he did not like the weather he, he did not like but he didn't like our style of football because he'd skill it yeah. past two or three players lose it and think he was a hero yeah. when everybody else was thinking 
what are you doing? Yeah. And like, you know, he, he didn't last last that long before he actually went back to Brazil again. But yeah. it's 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 one of those things, isn't it? And and I guess that sort of then filters through to our appreciation of 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 the game. Um, and and that and that's why I think, yeah, if you're a Leeds fan. You want to see a player that that's willing to to go through hell or high water. All, all of that being said, um, we've done some podcasts in the past where we've spoken about some quite abstract notions. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that enough? Um, <laughs> where we talk about some quite abstract notions. So, what is it to be a big club? So, we look at all the variables and all the dynamics behind what it is to be a big club. And you spoke about Newcastle earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I could talk about a few: Newcastle, Sunderland, Leeds United. Um, I think uh, there's several that are kind of maybe through a kind of group kind of failure where they become so tribal and they become so bed into that football is everyone's life in that city. Leeds is definitely one of those cities. So as much as we can say that generalisation that, oh, oh yeah, we love it now and we love the skill and we love the, the fact is if you watch Twitter and type in hashtag LUFC before and after a match, yeah. What you'll see is lynching mobs saying, right. if anybody says anything against Leeds United, I will, I will you know, lynch you from the nearest lamppost. Yeah. And then 30 seconds after the final whistle, win, lose or draw, we want to lynch half of our own squad. Yeah. And right. we want to go, well, he was terrible. Get him out. We need someone else in. There's this bloke who plays in the second division in Germany. He should come in and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So yeah. um, there's, a schizoph- there's a healthy schizophrenia around Leeds United where... <laughs> And actually, you know what's interesting is that I think about um, I think we went on a we won a streak of winning in the championship. And we won a kind of eight in a row, and then we drew to a team that was in the bottom five. And it started going around on, on Twitter like hashtag Bielsa out, and it was it, and, and that's what they're like. That's what it's like. And I'm not turning I'm not turning on us, yeah. but it's just a fact of who we are. Like yeah. It, yeah. It, there's a healthy kind of like cynicism, schizophrenia, and just mania about Leeds yeah. United and Newcastle. You know, you, re- you referenced Newcastle earlier, but we often, you know, we were in the second, third, third tier of English football and there's 30,000 people turning up to watch absolute shite. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it was terrible. It was awful. Terrible players, mercenaries, yeah. you know, just there for the pay packet yeah. and to wear the badge and managers who you forgot then what the name was, but that's the nature of kind of English football. Um, so can we talk a little bit about the season The season this year? Um, uh, you say that you've, have you been watching a lot of British football this year? Oh, yeah, 100%. Who's, um, who has, uh, can we just do one of these tedious kind of podcast kind of things where we yeah. go, um, who has surprised you? Who, ha- who, who has wowed you and who has underwhelmed you? Wow. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll kick it off right away where the typical surprise you know it's i don't want to jump on the west ham or you know what i mean that's just so it's too easy but for me it's when southampton started the season and they built with that german Mm. coach and they got over that nine whatever last year and they were flying up and they were healthy and they were doing really well they surprised but i'm not even going to say they surprised me doing well they've surprised me how far they've fallen Mm. again where i'm like you know, is this German guy, I don't even want to try his last name, but Hasselhudel or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. is he, a, is he, a, you know, is he not good enough at this point? For me, it's like I had him as pegged. Wow, this guy's going to bring him up. They were up. But where they are now, I mean, mm. they, I just find with their players, with the manager, I think they should be better. Mm. Mm. Right. You destroyed me, Mark. Like now I feel like 
<laughs> you, you you destroyed my answer as being too easy. West I have Ham? to say West Ham. I'm going to say it still anyway, because I'm not smart <laughs> enough to come up with another example in that amount of time. But I, re- I really am, you know, and, and in a weird way, I'm, I'm actually happy for David Moyes. I don't know why I hated him at United and I do support Liverpool. So I wasn't a big fan at Everton, but I don't know in a way, like I just, I do like, I actually think this is a weird one for you. You guys can like go into my mind and maybe tell me why I'm so weird, but I actually think there's almost like a reverse British racism that's begun to happen now where like you only, not you, like just anywhere, even in Canada. Cause we said there was all these British coaches for so long and now it's almost spun so far the other way that if you are good in British, it's almost like, well, we can't give you a chance. And it even happens here in Ottawa with these local coaching that Mark said, and you know, like a David Moyes or like, there's, there's a lot of good managers there Eddie Howe. How's he out of work? You know, like, so I see guys like that and I think, well, because their name's not Spanish that now they can't coach all of a sudden. Like they well, can't. actually, I think I have a fairly good explanation for that. It's because like, we have a pool, again, of mercenary managers, your yeah. Pardews, your Allardyces. Oh, yeah. And what, what happens yeah. is there's this like kind of toxic kind of leeching from them onto other British managers. So yeah. it turns into like David Moyes on a bad run is boring, yes. he's conservative, yes. he's not enigmatic, et cetera, et cetera. And he just turns into a, another Pardew. He just turns into another Allardyce. And um, it, all it will take for him to be sacked, if I'm being honest, is... Yeah it's five or six matches where it doesn't come together and they fall five places down the table and then people will start to frown and say, well, with, and they'll lose all kind of perspective about where they should be achieving and yep. stuff like that. So, so I have a, I actually have a question for you guys. It's perfect. You support leads because I've been doing this on our show. So I know you may have listened to one or two and it's the worst, but I do it in defense of this reverse British racism. I think what's the difference to between Bielsa and Roy Evans? <laughs> well, actually we made a comparison well, no, let's I go. <laughs> you know, like it's anyway, I'll let I'll let you answer my I- ignorant question and then we and then I can maybe answer too. And Bielsa's from Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I'm so happy. I only say that as like you know, Roy Evans played this swashbuckling style and lost and never won a trophy. And you know, Bielsa hasn't either. I know he won the first division. I, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Bielsa's, um, he is, he is amazing. I totally think he is, but it's kind of like, are we over inflating him as opposed to some of these others? Um, so I, 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 right. I'm, I'm, I'm a big, this sort of links to our philosophical sort of outlook as well. So Bielsa yeah. for me is the ultimate pragmatist. So when you, you look at, um, <clears throat> when you look at Bielsa, I think the difference between him and Roy Evans is, is, is seen in a number of different ways. Bielsa in in his entire career, not just in in with Leeds, he's an ideologue. So he like he is so wedded to yeah. one specific style. It's yeah. actually to his cost. And, yes. and and actually, you know, Ronaldo will never play for Bielsa because Bielsa yeah. will be angry that he won't track back. Messi will never play for Bielsa. Uh, uh, apart from when he played for him for Argentina. But um for me, the difference is um if Roy Evans was sacked from a job. Unlike Bielsa, he wouldn't go to a monastery for six months and read. Yeah. And, yeah. I, you know, I would love for him to have done that. That'd be hilarious. But, but, but actually, Bielsa, you know, he, he's, he's got that. He's also got, like, the aura around him. But what I, I think with Bielsa in particular is that he's a coach, uh, yes. first and foremost. Yes. And, and so where, when, where the trophies haven't necessarily come, I think that's because, actually, 
you don't get a, tr- a trophy for taking a bang average player and turning them into premiership material. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, it's quite lead centric because we're Leeds fans, but, but you know, it's, it's, if I think about our left back, Alioski, yeah. um, he, he would be equally as effective in the third division of North Macedonia. Um, I I personally think than if he is in in the premiership Stuart Dallas he was a journeyman player I mentioned him before Um, he's transformed Calvin Phillips into an English international Um, Liam Cooper who we got from Chesterfield um, he's turned him into a premiership defender I think you don't get a trophy for that but but what he's enabled Leeds to do I, I think I think any other manager in the premiership at the moment with that Leeds squad would be second from bottom I agree. So I, you're, I'm actually wholeheartedly in agreement with you. It was more the yeah. point about the, with the British, but I, I love what you got into. Like, I would love to speak a little more about philosophy and I'm, I'm actually desperate and I want to let you off the hook. Like you can say Canada soccer's piss and we're not going to, we're not going to get upset. Like you can, you can give it right to us. And we'll, I'd love to get into that if you have questions, but yeah, <laughs> that's, I think that's why, how do you not love someone like Bielsa who's so entrenched in what he is and you say he went to a monastery he was a teacher right was he not and that's mm. his background and teaching and and like how do you not respect someone like that i would go to war with someone like that right so you can't help but love him the you know he's just like unbelievable i, I think it's also part of it as well sorry he's, he's also he's also autistic which 100 which is like for me is fascinating because it it's like um he's he's so He's so oblivious in certain areas of of like what what life is about and what happens, but in other areas, he's he's almost like this this sort of genius voice that cuts through some of the social nonsense that that like I don't know about in Canada, but like football in the UK is is entertainment, and that's why Mourinho is yeah. I think still gets jobs in 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 the Premiership because yeah. actually. Like as a chairman, you know you're, you're selling more shirts. You know you're getting more coverage. You know you're getting all those yeah. things. You've got Mourinho, um, whereas Bielsa sort of he cuts through that. He's got this weird benign sort of hug that he gives managers that he he respects. If he yeah. if he smashes a team seven nil, he has like thirty seconds where he's like awkwardly holding the managers. COVID <laughs> as well, like he's holding them and sort of saying to them, "You deserve to win." But um, yeah. Yeah, I, I was just going to say the, the thing the thing that's really helped us out when we've been talking about it is that actually, you know, when all said and done, as you can probably tell, Sai is the is the football brains of this operation. Um, I, I'm just, you know, the enigmatic kind of like sidekick. But um, <laughs> the thing the thing that the thing that really pleases me about Bielsa is that he's helped. He's helped fans like me talk about football in a different way. So I think he educates the players. You know, when you see Oh, myriad of things that he did. He made them go litter picking down the M1, which is the busiest motorway that run, that stripes through the from the south to the north of England. Incredibly dangerous. But he took players that are on 30 grand a week and said, I need you to go and pick up crisp packets from the side of the M1. And I'm sure, you know, after our analysis, but I'm, I'm sure during he kind of told them why. And he told them the reasons why that was important. And he told them that they did two hours worth of work, which is the equivalent of what a Leeds fan would have to do in order to afford a ticket. And so there's something about educating the whole person. And, and yeah. I imagine that people will leave. You're talking about Alioski. I think he's just signed a contract to go and join Galatasaray, actually, at the end of this season. Wow. Um, I think he will leave with a heavy heart. But I don't think it will be because he'll be missing his wages or missing... I think he'll miss Leeds. Wow. And I think he'll miss Bielsa because I think he's made him into something that he never thought he could be. Yeah. Um, half of the Leeds squad 
to be completely honest, shouldn't really be playing in the Premiership. That, that, that's, that's kind of a fact. And there's, we've got 19, 20, 21-year-old kids that are turning out every single week alongside people like Rafina. Uh, and, 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 and it's unusual. And I think possibly the only real perspective downfall, and this is a good point of discussion, might be that Leeds need to start spending big and bringing big names in in order to compete, which directly kind of like is, you know, antithetical to, to, to what Bales is all about. And I've often found his presence in football really puzzling. His family are all kind of aristocratic, aristocratic kind of politicians. Mm-hmm. And um, he's quite obviously a socialist, an outspoken socialist. And yet he deals with millions of pounds on a, on a weekly yeah. basis of wages and he can't honestly look out upon a football squad in 21st century football and go yeah this is a meritocracy this is how life should work mm-hmm. i'm sure he kind of compartmentalizes it to a point of where he thinks well this is just my job of work and i need to go about doing it but um i find him incredible and you know he we 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 interviewed a guy that wrote the um the first biography of him in english and the stories he told us about when he used to play in a um and when he was a player, his friend's, his friend's house, um, the roof fell in. So he used his wages to build a roof on, uh, on his friend's house. That, that, that was his wages. When he came to Leeds oh. and he took the £8 million, he hired this huge raft of people to help him coach the team and gave all the money away. And it's just so anti everything to do with football. And, you know, I, I really don't envy other teams. I don't envy other teams' players. You know, when I when I, like when we've got a guy who works with us on the podcast called Jim, who's an Arsenal supporter, and I can't even talk about Aubameyang without wanting to wretch. You know, like any kind of like mirror glazed Lamborghini going through the high, you know, the high street of like um, London. Yeah. It's just sickening, and, and like I'd hate for Leeds to be like that. It's completely ruined football for me in some ways. Yeah. It's completely yeah. ruined what I expect of players and managers and, and the rest. Of and, it. and that that's um that's clearly a problem you have with the Canadian Football League, isn't it? It's just it must be a wash with <laughs> yeah. with cash. It's just, there's so much there's so much yeah. money. It's like we're drowning in it over here. Yeah, that's I, why. I, I, go ahead. Yeah, so, yeah, no, that's why. Believe it or not, because we have I don't know if you, you guys don't have it. It's a app. It's called the Zone. It 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 gives us all. All the games for everything, but I'll tell you what, you talk to a lot of Canadians now, even the average Canadian, because of what you were mentioning with, you know, the out of control wages and then this and a hundred month. I'll tell you the championship and league one are getting more viewers here in Canada yeah. uh, than you can shake a stick at. You talk to anybody and they're like, you know what, I'm I, there's this like today I was watching uh, Portsmouth Sunderland ahead of uh, Juve Porto because you know what, like I'm like. These, these are two teams. They're in the top six. They're battling for top six. They're killing each other for the, you know, they're not leaving. They're playing for their next contract. And that's, I'm going to bridge that into the MLS in, uh, in North America and, and the CPL. We have athletic people. You're not seeing technique. You're not seeing all this, you know, beautiful stuff. What you're seeing is a 24-year-old or a 28-year-old with two kids and a wife that needs a contract. And he'll run through the stadium. He'll run through a pregnant lady holding a bird to get to the <laughs> ball or throw it. He doesn't care. And that, to me, is kind of what I want to sw- – where I my mentality is switching to. And I like to watch the Scottish Premiership, too, in some ways. Too, you know, Hearts, oh, Hibs, those kind of well games. Done. Those are fantastic. I, I, well done. That's like a different kind of football. <laughs> It is yeah. a different kind. My family's from Glasgow. They all look like this, and so it's just a totally <laughs> other. Like you don't, you don't even want to go there. I wanted oh. to. I wanted to say, like, uh, to your point, Mark, about the athleticism and stuff like that. 
if we look at maybe culturally and, and the whole philosophy behind things, you were saying how like, you know, British, it's like that guy who yells and heads the ball 30 yards and whatnot. I think based on what Canada is and how it became, it's like, it is a true melting pot. And I think in football, that's always hurt us. The fact that we haven't had that identity or culture and it's so sparse to get from BC to new Scotland where you're, you said, I think you said your sister is or Nova Scotia, whatever. It's so far. And, and really that's like, you could have entirely different styles in these places. It, it really what it's come down to. And it was an American problem for a long time that I hate to say it is actually starting to improve that the, the quality of players that the U S are producing now painfully is, is, in, is import, impressive. Anyways, long winded answer is we, we tend to pick athletic athletes and mm. our, you can't really say how do Canadians play? It's a massive, it's a massive issue we have. Now we have a generation here all of a sudden we're, we're terming as like our, these are, these are the ones that are our chance. So there's an Alfonso Davies at Bayern Munich, yeah. Jonathan David at, at uh, Lille. Um, there's a bunch of kid at Wolves. There's a bunch of different ones that are at a level where we could actually get to a world cup, not yeah. just because we might host it. Um, but the fact that we don't have that identity where, you know, you just nailed like, you know, an Englishman and we can talk about what a Spaniard would be like. We could say, you know, Italians and the Catanazio and why that came about, you know, because, you know, invasions in the past and stuff like that. So, um, and then what you're saying about uh, Bielsa, I feel like I'm taking over the podcast and I apologize. Right. The whole socialist piece to it, like socialism and that communist thing changed the game of football as well. That collective behavior of, you know, like uh, Mark's Ukrainian Lobanovsky style of everybody's just a piece and a cog and interchangeable. And, and you see a guy like Klopp or a Bielsa who want that style and can they adapt at those higher levels? Um, and it's, to me, that stuff's fascinating. So anyways, just to, to beat my dead horse, Canada has that issue of what are we? And, and we struggle with that as a football nation. Whereas you go hockey, you know exactly what it is. Yeah. And it's very easy to pinpoint. Do you so. think that's like, do, yeah, because I, I, I guess you've got a different issue around the grassroots level because like grassroots football here in in the uk is like it is what if you play something on a sunday or a saturday it is football um you you, rugby is still a fraction of 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 what football um is in terms of at the grassroots level and so I've got, you know, my, my theory is that the, the grassroots um, sort of feeds in um, to, to, to the higher levels and, and money is taking it slightly further away from that. But actually in the UK still, that, that grassroots game is still so, so important, so strong. Whereas, like, I guess for you guys, a grassroots game on one side of the country could feel very different to a grassroots game on the other. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's it's brutal. Like, not only is it different grassroots, different sports, different seasons, different this, that, and the other. The weather too. Now we have indoor facilities. uh, I mean, similar to what Iceland have, you know, where there's a big dome over a turf Mm -hmm. field and that kind of thing. And you're pricing out half your players because you're paying. I mean, just youth sports here for a nine year old, you're paying over two, three thousand dollars a year just to play and kick a ball at that point. I mean, wow. so you're pre- we, we've talked about this on our podcast a million times. We've even started a fund with our podcast to try and help like the, the kids in the inner city try and play, but it's like you're pricing out 85% of your, of your yeah. kids to begin with. And then in that last 15, they're playing hockey over the winter. So you're only getting the hockey kids over the summer. So then you can't, you can't mesh anything together. Nothing really, you know, everyone's at, 
all these different levels all the time. And it's just a juggling act. So and who do you want in, in soccer? Let's be honest in football. Who do you want to play? You, you want the working class. You want a messy, yeah. you want that poor kid. You want the Alfonso Davies. Who's from a refugee camp. And now hockey is the same price as soccer in Canada, hockey uh, football. Like that blows my mind growing up. It was the Amazing. buy a pair of shin pads and you're good to go. And that's, what helped the sport grow here and the fact that it's at that same level is mind-boggling yeah that's insane like because I, I i complain when i've got to pay a fiver for yeah. playing football on on a saturday yeah and, and 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 i'm the one that the manager's chasing around for the subs and it's like, <laughs> that's just absolutely insane like the the the, the sort of the, the cost of it and then on top of that we we play fiver side as well don't we you know in the mm. in the evenings and that's fine I, I guess the weather the weather is is quite a big one you know again we've got to stop complaining about the weather it's like it's a bit rainy it's like <laughs> we're all right i think we're all right yeah 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 so in, in terms of sorry can i can i ask you just a question i was fascinated about um your because you guys are obviously quite closely associated with with the team that that folded in Ottawa, um, I just want to find out a little bit more about that in terms of like how that hit you guys like personally. Because like we we had a real existential crisis as Leeds fans um, when just before Satan himself and Ken Bates <laughs> bought at, bought our club, um, yeah. there was a bunch of fans that actually went to create almost like a rival team called Leeds Leeds City yeah. um, because we actually thought our team would fold. And like, I genuinely like, I didn't know what to do. Oh, with yeah, myself. we were we, we were hours away from not having a club. I mean, yeah. when you think about Leeds United in that respect, yeah. the fact that not very many years ago, um, we were you know we were hours days away from not being a club anymore, going to a complete administration and, and you know dissolution. And now you know the 49ers have gone and bought ten percent of us, and it's it's incredible, really. It's yeah, incredible. well, I'll tell you what, we actually mentioned this on our podcast a couple of weeks ago where. Soccer in our country, specifically even Ottawa, from the time I was born, Steve was born, how many have filtered through? We've had the Intrepid, they're done. Capital City, done. Fury, done. I mean, there's no connection to anything. You can't, and nothing's around long enough to get a connection to because yeah, yeah. it's so, everything is so independent mm. that it just doesn't work. And now, it finally may work here, like knock on wood, because we've got Atletico Madrid. I don't know if you know much about the new team in Ottawa, but yeah. Atletico Madrid has backed a team and, and started it in Ottawa now. I mean, so, I mean, we've got billions of dollars over there. But I mean, they could pull the plug any second, too. So, I mean, what are we, you know, what are we getting? That's why you'll find a lot of Canadians have teams in Europe or in South America or everywhere else. And our local teams like in the Canadian Premier League right now, if you're bored on a Sunday or if you have nothing to do or your kids, you know, you're going to bring your kid to a game. Yeah, let's go to a game, whatever. But you're not sitting there like, Jesus, they lost it. You, you leave and you're like, all right, let's get a donut. You know, it's like, whatever. Yeah, you know, I'm sweating in front of the TV when Rangers play, you know, or Man United or whatever. Even the, like the national team. I love the national team. You'll get a lot of that. But local clubs. Nah, to answer your question, though, for us personally, like in this respect, Mark's answer is bang on. It's it's tough to latch on for us personally because we were involved in the club. This one did sting for sure. Mm, yeah. You know, we coached in the club and there was players in the first team that had come through from what we did. So you have a sense of pride, of course, doing that. And uh, so that one stung. But I I think it to your point too, Mark, it, it stung a little less because you almost expected it at a certain point. You're so scarred from it. You just think well, it's going to come eventually, which is 
part and parcel to our problem over here with that establishing of a culture. You know, when you yeah. lose it, you lose a bit of that culture. And the lack just, of, sorry, just to ahead. carry on from that, sorry. Um, how, how have you guys, as I understand it, because I have connections in Canada now. Yeah, that's right. Um, you I are Canadian your, now. Your, your lockdown is no more. You're kind of pretty much free to go and come and go as you please. No, it's, the country's so big that Oh, You've okay. got pockets that are still completely locked down. You've got pockets that are running in fields, hugging each other. It's a, we, you don't know what. <laughs> That's going what we on. do. That's what we do. We, even though we're tightly locked down, we still we still have the field hugs. So. Right outside the cottage is what I picture. Yeah. <laughs> well, the field hugs are highly underrated. I think. <laughs> I'm not allowed um, so in his village. I'm not allowed in his village. No, they no, no. We don't with rifles. Like they him. see the riffraff turn up and <laughs> fire into the air and I'm. So, like, um, so, so it has, has COVID well and truly put the kibosh on like a lot of a lot oh, of yeah, stuff we getting off the ground. Yeah, we've like the Canadian Premier League's only been it was had its one season. Mm-hmm. COVID hit for the second season, and they had a, a little month long tournament. Mm-hmm. This was in the summer, right? And since then, on an island, Mark, quite literally on an island, on yeah. Prince Edward Island, they put them yeah. all, they, they quarantined them and put them on that island and played the tournament. Yeah. And so Prince that, Edward Island is like, like there's like 8,000 people on the island, for God's sake. Like, it's friggin' small. Yeah. yeah. No, Where is Prince true. Edward Island? It's near uh, New Scotland, Nova Scotia. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, it's it's in the East Coast. I thought that rang a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your sister can definitely visit P. Yeah, like COVID is like non-existent over there either, so it's pretty. Yeah, good. yeah. Well, no, because she, you know, she she's sending me pictures of like she's. I never thought I'd be envious of someone eating a burger, you know, in in, in a burger yeah. place. And I'm yeah. I'm looking at these pictures, and she she's walking down the street, and there's other people walking down the street, and I'm thinking, shit, that looks like heaven. But yeah, <laughs> no, um, yeah, no. It, but I didn't realize that it was different across the country. I didn't realize that it was different. By the provinces. So each one of our provinces has its different governing rules and whatever. And, and is that just dependent on how close you are to America? Or? <laughs> yeah. You know what it no, should be? Pretty much, yeah. We're <laughs> going to build Trump's wall for him to keep them out from, from, the, from the states. Yeah. Jesus. yeah. Um, do yeah. You, how much, um, in, how much um, American football do you... I don't mean American football, I mean American yeah, yeah. soccer. Um, yeah, do you watch? Is, is, that, is that growing? Because one of the things that we talk about sometimes is um, the the kind of, uh, you know, why isn't China why isn't China got a better team? Why hasn't America got a better team? We, yeah. we, I, something I never understand. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, the Americans are like, the MLS growth is, is pretty good. It's pretty big. The Americans are, like Steve mentioned earlier, they're pumping out... Uh, they're pumping out some some yeah. world class players now with McKinney at Juventus and like Pulisic and all and like there's a whole bunch of young young ones but that's but see that to me to, I'm going to counter my own argument where these are the guys that leave at 14 and go to Europe yeah. they're not churned through the MLS the MLS yeah. is I think probably at its peak where you're getting like the workman style kind of you know League One you know bottom championship type. Uh, equivalent and that's what it is and you know what you always it gives young players sometimes the potential to play a bit and then go but it's like to to answer your question of how big is it do we watch it like i love it i love it because we have three teams in canada in the american uh in the mls and two of them are you know a couple hours drive away from us which in canada is like uh, it's it's actually super close. close if you can get somewhere in five hour drive it's like your neighbor so, yeah. So, I mean, we know, and like, you know, there's a lot of young Canadians that come out of there and it's, 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 it's a good league. It's well-organized. It's well-run. The money's there. You know you what, know, Mark? 
I, I gotta like yep. argue with you. Let's just have some yes. controversy here, okay? Because so I'm gonna take a f- not offense. I'm gonna I'm gonna say you're slightly wrong with one of your points, and I'm gonna and Sai nailed it earlier about the grassroots. Uh, the MLS because it's established, and again, I, I have to give it to the Americans as much as it pains me. It's well established, and those kids that have come through now, you're right that they are leaving, but they're all starting in MLS academies now, like their youth and grassroots, they're starting there. And yeah, you're right, Mark. They go, they don't go into the league. It's very athletic still. And then the best ones, the pool stitches leave, but their base now is there. Like those kids may have been lost to basketball or football or baseball in the States before. Like just the fact that it's there and it's, it's this established, whatever it is, it's, it's given them that, that, that base to bring those kids through. I'll agree with you. But remember when Ibrahimovic moved, we're going to go back to the money point. When he was in at the Galaxy, remember this, Steve? Yeah. He was at the Galaxy, and he wanted his kid to play in the Academy, LA Galaxy Academy. They charged Ibrahimovic six grand for the season. That's how much it costs to play in an MLS Academy for a child. I mean... I want to know who said that to Zlatan, because he must be. like, Who has the guts to walk up to Zlatan and ask for six yeah. grand to put his kid and, in? Yeah, yeah, and that's the problem here. I don't know if what it's like over there with youth sports and everything, but it's it's become professionalized here, it's, and it's, it's just millions of dollars. Like, no, no, no. It, it's, it's, it's basically a complete meritocracy here. It's yeah. um, They will take children as early as possible for completely free. They will yeah. pay for everything. They will take them out of school. They'll give them tutors, everything. Wow. It's um it, it's interesting actually because our, our opinions over here, particularly of the US, um, particularly with mine, it, it's almost like so it's capitalism on speed, yeah, which um whereas like in the UK it's it's capitalism with your toe dipped in the water, um and so there's there's we're we're all capitalists but there's there's something underneath that the, the little socialist whispers in our ear every so often and reminds us that we've got the national health service for example yeah, and things yeah. like that and so um and 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 so football actually is that that interesting one because it, it's capitalist but it's also not so yeah. it's 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 capitalist in that if you're poor being being really good at football is your best way to become a millionaire um but also 0.02% actually get to that point exactly um for me like it's really interesting when i think of the mls i, I still see it as a retirement home for for football oh, yeah, yeah 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 you the, you will the, see top class players in their early 40s absolutely oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well that's that's <laughs> them doing it to themselves yeah that's the league doing it to themselves i mean yeah. they can easily stop that because the league is in charge of transfers it's not clubs so a club can't go out and buy somebody without the league approving it. So right. you are bought by the MLS or sold like, and the MLS gets the money and a portion goes to this and it has to go to your anyway. But yeah, I mean, it's, if they want to, they keep saying in, in 10 years, they want to be a top five league in the world and this and that. Well then stop signing Matuidi. Stop okay. signing Schweinsteiger. Stop signing these, these Fat players. Because it, hmm? Fat Lampard when he went yeah. over. I wish the yeah. league had kept him. To be honest, we didn't. Oh. We didn't really want him back. Yeah. Um, the the Mona, yeah. but yeah, it's, you know, it, yeah. It, it, it's brutal. It is, and and I, I mean, for, for, it's, it's an interesting one because um, for a while that seemed to be just the MLS, but then suddenly China appeared, um, yeah. and the Chinese league, and suddenly having like Arnautovic. And players like that going in. And, and I just love the brazen nature of the fact that the only reason you're playing in that league is because they're paying you half a million pounds a week. Yeah. yeah. In some ways, it just could, it was the emperor's new clothes just sort of yes. like revealed. 100%. Yeah. And I remember Czech Teote, when he went to, um, he even said, like, 
in the press, he's like, yeah, this is, I need to take this payday for my family back home. And I thought, well done for being honest, but like, I mean, what kind of lead anyway, but yeah, that's what the, uh, that's what the MLS will be unless they stop that. I mean, I do think of it, Stuart, abnormally though, like you, to your question, like why isn't China and why isn't India more of a power, you know? And I guess the States you could lump in there and they've gotten, I wouldn't call them a power, but it's, it's such a, that actually fascinates me. Well, actually, you know, on one of our podcasts, we spoke to a philosopher about the connections of of football, but sport as a whole and religion. And I think that actually it's, we've replaced God is dead and football is alive in this country. Um, And I think that it's our national religion and it's, it it has all the hallmarks of religion. You know, the poor people queue up around the block at the weekend to go in and, and see their, who they pray to. And then they go home and they talk about it for the next six days and then they go back and they collect all the paraphernalia that surround it. And even the funny clothing and the rest of it. That's and um, and I just don't think I think as soon as China or America take it seriously, and I don't mean a scholarship playing soccer yeah, yeah. and sitting at the back of you know a philosophy class possibly and yeah. ignoring what's going on just to make your way through. As soon as they take it seriously, it becomes part of you know the fabric of their society. I think I think that I think Europe is going to have a, a a real tough time. I, I, but I don't think it'll ever happen. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure it'll ever happen. I think it's amazing that America has a baseball series called the World Series, and it's just America. Well, that's, yeah. I think oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's their arrogance. Yeah, that's, and that's American football is the same. When you win the Super Bowl, you're the world champions, and <laughs> yeah. everything's the world when it comes there. Can I ask yeah. you guys a quick question? I think we asked. I don't know. I think we asked Anfield about this question too. But like, I mean, Sai, you're a huge Leeds fan. Come the summer, do you? Now, are you flipped, switched on? Like, are you full out England? Like, and my, you know, even bigger question is like, would you rather Leeds win the Premier League or England win a World Cup? <laughs> well, I'll let Sai answer that in a second. Um, I'm a Scotland supporter. And so, yes, I am a miserable failure completely at the beginning of the summer. And I will stand and roar myself hoarse as we spectacularly fail with approximately about 17 minutes of decent football, um, which will end up with three losses and we'll be out. But I'll claim, I'll make some kind of weird claim that... um, uh, that we had the best left back in the tournament. So, yeah, yeah. And um, and then I I can't really answer for England at all because I feel completely uninvolved and disenfranchised from England. I, I I can't really explain it. But would I rather Leeds won the Premiership than Scotland win the World Cup or the European Championships? Um, well, one's a possibility, and the other is. <laughs> well, that's like, would you rather like, win a hundred pound on lottery or would you rather win a million pounds? So I'd rather win the million and have Scotland win the World Cup. Look at that. Look at that. So, yeah, because I mean, losing 1 0 to Liechtenstein is never good for like your country's. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I despise international football. Um, and, and it's, it's really interesting because I, I also really enjoy rugby as well. And mm. one of the, the interesting things with rugby is the very, very elite of rugby is the Lions series where mm. the British and Irish Lions tour all black South Africa and, and, and actually in terms of quality, physicality, technique, just that's the showcase. And that's actually the pinnacle of these guys' careers. Whereas actually in football, what I see is that the club game is, is far more advanced than the international game. We'll come um, back to money again as well in that it, respect. It is like Man, Man City would give Spain a really good game. Um, <laughs> and, and, and sort of, 
you know, Real Madrid would give Germany a really good game. And and whereas the Leicester Tigers rugby team yeah. would be beaten by plus 40 points by England or mm. Scotland or, you know, or, or an international side. So, um, so for me, like, international football feels different. I, you can't take away the, the magic of a tournament. No. Like, and so the, the tournament football for me still carries that, that yeah. sort of magic. Um, and and the, the World Cup where, you know, England finally won a game on penalties that, you know, I, I was actually on a residential. Um, I'm a, a teacher. I was on a residential with a bunch of um, sort of 11 year olds. They were climbing ropes and things like that. We went and we watched the game and, and I, was, I was just screaming that all over the place. It was incredible. Would I rather Leeds won the Premiership than England won the World Cup? It doesn't feel like a fair I question. I can't answer it. And, 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 I, and it's yeah. a get out clause because... When England are in that final, I would answer 100% of the time, I want England to win. When Leeds are three points away from securing the title, I'd be asking you who England are. I wouldn't have a nationality. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd be a global citizen. And so, so like, um, yeah. I'm going to say it and I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'd rather Leeds win the Premiership. Ooh, look at him. Look at him. He's I, just... like, I like how we suck this out of him. That's all right. <laughs> Here's, I don't know if is, this is, is there's, something, there's something really magical about being a Scotland supporter. There's something incredible about being a Scotland supporter because um, a draw is like a 4-0 victory. Yes. And there's <laughs> nothing that anyone could... I mean, I have, I have cried at, at, at score draws, you know, and, and it, it's just incredible. And um, when Leeds were like at the very, very bottom of, of their kind of trajectory, it was depressing because it felt like you should have been somewhere else. Yes. Now we're kind of coming to the bit of where we should be. It's almost like the stock has risen to the point of like, okay, I'm comfortable, I'm happy, I'm safe now. Um, whenever Scotland, 30 seconds before Scotland kick off, I look at two or three players. Now it's like McTominay, McBurney, mm -hmm. and, I, 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 and I think to myself, just have a good hour. Just have a good hour, right? Keep it solid. Make yeah. sure your passes find the people. Yeah. And yeah. then when you get down the wing, please just don't hit the first man. Yeah. And my my standards are so low. Yeah, there you go. Totally so low man. that we made it. We've made it to the Euros. We're going to be playing in England. We've, we, as far as I'm concerned, we've won already. We're, we're, we're winning that's, already. That's, you know that's the parallel. That's the parallel with us. I, Canada, so we've only made the World Cup once in 86. Us getting to the tournament is the title. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And that's where international football to me is so magical, where like it's a it, when San Marino get a nil nil, that's their trophy. <laughs> that's their World Cup. Yeah. And we're the same. Get us to the World Cup. That's our World Cup. Mm -hmm. And, and let me add my... to Stuart, Mark. Let me add to Stuart because yeah. I, I got to Like, I feel the Scottish stuff like my father's yeah. Scottish. Like they are all from Glasgow, Mary Hill. Like I said, they all look crooked teeth and stuff. <laughs> They're going to go to the World Cup. They're going to beat England. Or sorry, the Euros, <laughs> and they're gonna lose to like Faroe Islands the next time. Oh, That's yeah, the yeah, thing yeah, with yeah. Scotland. Like they fall off a cliff after doing the hard part, and you're yeah. like, what is like how does this keep happening? And I fall for it every tournament. But the other thing as well is it's easy for like the thing is the Scottish put themselves up there to have the piss taken out of them. But the people forget that well, there's four and a half million people there for Christ's sake. You know, exactly. they've got competitive teams relatively. I mean, we watch Man City against you know Leeds United the weekend and go look at these in incredible players from all around the world that are collecting and showing their skill. And then we look at, even if it's Rangers against Celtic, we go, Christ, like that's mid-championship standard, like yeah. tops, to be honest. Yeah. It's four and a half million people that live there, you know. Yeah. And Rangers, not long ago, kind of went bankrupt, went yeah. to the bottom of the league and cut, you know. And 
I'm the first person to take the piss out of Scottish football. I'm a, I'm, I'm a heart supporter, like, you know, once removed. Um, my dad's from Edinburgh, but, you know, they, they do all right. And I tell you what, if they beat England this summer, I'm going to strip naked and run down the high street. I, I field care. run. It, you got your field run. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be hugging him. Yeah. <laughs> skin that's, to skin. that's assault. That's classed as assault. <laughs> you know, um, but the thing England is, you know what's interesting? The field, is, what's interesting about it is I see the England fans and I see them as like a pale version of a proper national fan. They're, they're all backbiting. They all don't really like the team. They're all squabbling over the best players as opposed to just getting behind whoever. And, you know, they have a bad 10 minutes in a match and everyone writes them off, turn the TV off and walk away. And, all the, and, and you know, we will fail in the summer. Scotland will fail, but the whole country will be singing. And that, that's all that matters. Yeah, you know? I've, yeah, I've noticed that with England, uh, just te- talking to people on the podcast or just, you know, friends over here is you see the te- almost like the tears of, of English football. It's like when you're in League One, League Two, you know, in the, in the you know, that's where you see like, you know, you see York, it's flags at the England games and all because, yeah, because yeah, now yeah, they can yeah. celebrate with these big players yeah. for one. Well, because you know? the rest of the teams in the Premiership don't have any English players. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it's a, I just find it's easy. It might, I don't know. I'm just speaking for all the English people I don't know, but I, it seems like the uh, you know the lower leagues are more uh, more in tune with England because that's their chance at, at watching something big. I could be completely wrong. Well, no, that. the thing is, what happens is I think you know you like just a, an example is that you see like a homegrown player that comes from. A lowly position. Either they've worked their way up through an individual club. Someone like I'm going to talk about Leeds, but someone like Calvin Calvin Phillips, who was you know, there's pictures on the website of him being eight years old, like kicking the ball around for Leeds United all the way up. And even though Leeds are in the top league, you know, when Calvin makes it to the England thing, you will see Leeds, you know, um, like the Morley Leeds United, blah blah, or um, Halifax Leeds United, and you'll be at the England match with a big flag, the huge huge thing. But then you'll see other like Doncaster, or you'll see the Essex Whites or whatever, and they'll all get behind them. Um, but, you know, apart from the, the embarrassment that is Sheffield United, uh, the vast majority, and West Ham, to be fair, West Ham have got a lot of English players as well. Um, the vast majority of the Premiership don't have many English players, so they don't have anyone to get behind. And a lot of these lower division teams, they support their players as they leave. And so even they go on to big things, they kind yeah. of like, they, they're happy of, of those players. So I guess yeah. Jamie Vardy, for example, like yeah. he's he's like the quintessential like bloke done well. Um, yeah, he, he, he I think is is one of the best strikers. Um, he well, he he's one of the best strikers in the Premiership at the moment. But he's he's arguably in terms of he's a bit like Eddie Howe, but a player like Howe as a manager, um, yeah. English manager. You know, took a team from the very bottom all the way to the very top. I agree with you what you said earlier. It's like, well, how is he unemployed at the moment? Um, maybe he's waiting for Bielsa to retire. But anyway, um, but the, the, but then look at, at Vardy. It's it's kind of he's he he evokes that that sort of. I think there's also something existential about it, which is like that could be me, uh, or that could yeah. have been me. Yeah. And, and especially when you see him being interviewed, and he. he... Mumbles and bumbles and goes, yeah, yeah, you know, I was, I I did all right. I got the ball and kicked it in the net. And you go, oh no, that could be me. (laughs) That could be me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, like, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's drinking pints of bitter and playing for like the 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 fox and hound like ten years ago, just on the weekends, and you know. What what I love, what I love, um, I mean, it must be, I don't know whether you have it over here, but it's it's, um, you'll see a, um. 
I don't know how many pounds it is um, or kilograms, whatever it is you use, but like a, a 25 stone bloke, you know, capital D, um, <laughs> top off capital and sweat, sweating just generally because yeah, the metabolism yeah, is dying, like rotting inside. And he'll just uh, look, tattoos. Like, the problem with Jamie Vardy is he's lost yeah. that spark of pace, hasn't he? He needs to run that a little bit more. And he's and, and, and like, and, and I, I'll be with him and I'll be like, yeah, you're right. And then I'll look and think, what's yeah. going on here? And I think there's an element of the self-loathing about in- England fans as well, because because yeah. that guy's yeah, yeah, the same as me, that he he could have made it too, like Jamie Vardy. Yeah. It's just, just I, I got injured the day the scouts were there. What, injured, yeah, yeah. like carrying your gut onto the pitch? It's- yeah, yeah. One of, one, of the, one of the jokes that kind of goes around um, when you play when you play football, there's always one or two blokes in England, even if it's just like for a pub team, that go, I had trials at West Ham, didn't I? Yeah, you know, oh, it's yeah. It, it, it's always like, oh yeah, no, Sunderland looked at me, but they they they, they weren't interested. Yeah, you know, it, it, it there's there's they're everywhere. They're everywhere. There is a legion of like would be pros walking yeah. along with yeah. a fag on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Christ, That's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. You think a little bit like this is to sound smart, but uh, uh, also to ask a legit question. Um, and the Premiership is the the total epitome of globalization, but. For the World Cup, I feel like that's where it's lost its luster. Like when you go back and read about the old World Cups and, mm. you know, you didn't know who the Brazilians were. Like you didn't actually quite literally know who they were till they showed mm. up. You know, now we know them all, right? And like that romance in the game, you know, even the Dutch, like the, the soccer was so new and then yeah. the Dutch league was just becoming a power in Europe that you're, who are these guys? Like you don't get those surprises anymore. You know, I wish mm. like for a new hungrier why hasn't Scotland got a Dennis Law and a Kenny Dalglish up front anymore? And like, I want a new team. I want an India or a Turkey or someone to to play some style of football that just blows me away. That's what, new. And what what what's interesting is we were talking to an ex professional women's footballer um, just a couple of weeks ago on our podcast. Um, she played for Leicester City um, Women, and one of the things that we were we were talking about was actually like the difference in tactics that you see. Yeah. Um, and and actually, I think I think you're right. There's an element of the mystery that's gone just just because of the coverage that's out there, and like yeah. you know, um, ha- people weren't talking about Gengen pressing um, yeah. at all, um, and uh, but now everyone's talking about it. And and whereas when you watch women's football in particular at the moment, you actually see yeah. um, because of the differences in physicality, um, you see some really novel tactics being employed, and at times really strange formations, really strange patterns of play, and things like that. Like it feels like in some ways the mystery has, yeah. has sort of gone yeah. that way. And you I look agree. at the She Believes Cup, you 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 look at the, the women's world cup. So I, I mean, that's if the problem is you just the fans aren't flocking to those games. Not not in the UK. Um, you know, that's one of the things that that Helen Busby, the the ex um, pro was talking about. It's, she says it's growing and that's good. It's in a better place than it's ever been, but you're not getting to the point where it's even close to parity. Yeah, yeah. Then I is... think um, a kind of a, a delusion of youth is that when you watch the World Cup when you were a kid, you were just naturally kind of like, I don't know who these people are, and it's you thought it's because of your youth because you didn't know too much. Yeah. When actually they were just people that played for provincial teams in those countries, and actually African football was a thing, and in in a way, Middle Eastern football was a thing. Um, they didn't all try to, no one, no one went for the silver bullet, did they? No one tried to yeah. kind of say, well, there's one way of playing and that's what we'll do. And, and in, some, in some ways, in England especially as well, is that there was a northern 
a southern, a, 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 a Midlands, a, yeah. a, even like a West Midlands and East Midlands way of playing football, which has completely died now as well. Yeah, it's, it's completely gone. And there's this kind of holy grail of like, if we can just get, yeah, if we can just to 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 you know, the only real difference we have in this country, if I was to talk about the Premiership, it, it teams like. There's a whole host of teams that are trying to play similar football. You've got Man City, Wolves, Leeds United, yeah. all playing a similar kind of um, uh, tactical game. And then you've got, and they've not done very well this year, but then you've got someone like Sheffield United and, to, and, to, and a better version of Sheffield United uh, and a slight hybrid version is Leicester City where it's mm-hmm. sturdy at the back, look for the long ball, but with an element of skill. Um, but now, now with what's happened to Sheffield United, you're going to find that teams are going to knock in that on the head, and everyone's going to try and do like a disgusting version of of like this tick attacker kind of, yeah. you know, high pressing, and then, and then what happens is teams don't do it very well, and it looks really amateurish, and it looks, and and the quality of football is actually not that good at times. Yeah. If you watch, yeah. it's it's really quite poor. But yeah. um, I remember growing up and watching the, you know, I, we were, Leeds United was completely different from Newcastle. Newcastle was completely different from Manchester United, yeah. and then you had teams like Wimbledon. And and they played maybe ugly, but you watched it and thought, oh, I quite like that. you know that, that that's that's all right. That, like that, and it wins games and yeah. and 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 it had a character, but it's it's all yeah. starting to be a bit bleached a little bit. Um, yeah, well, yeah, and Steve- I can't help but think that when you talk about the World Cup, like <laughs> we were joking the other day that Wolves are basically Portugal, you know, yeah, and it's it and it's just the thing of like when Portugal turned up to, I watched them every week. This, this, you know, yeah. we, we know yeah. what it's about, and yeah. it's, uh, I don't know, yeah, it's, it's a bit depressing actually that like, we know we know the Brazilian, we need we know three quarters of the Brazilian team, we know that Italy will be on the weak side, we know that France will be the dark horse. It's the same every single tournament, every single tournament, because we're aware of every single player in the world right now, and with this data stuff that's kind of floating around everywhere, you got bloody idiots sitting in their bedrooms looking at the Uruguayan third league trying to figure out which 17 year old is going to be the next big thing so like there's literally no surprises anymore at all yeah. in football yeah. um, and that's why have you seen uh, across uh, like football clubs are kind of like hiring these bedroom kind of analysts that are kind of like looking at data and if I'm being honest triangulating crap with crap and like selling it for money basically yeah. and it's a complete nonsense I don't really believe in that aspect of like you know uh, an, an overweight like you know bedridden like 60 year old English manager watching from the stands going oh, I, when I see it with my own eyes I'll understand type thing you know but there is data that needs to be used but it's absolutely gone crazy at the minute the other way XG yeah. bloody you know and when you look at a match and it says oh this team that lost 3-0 completed 68% of their passes in the second half and the other team had 32% it's like yeah, but they didn't score as many goals as the other team. So. <laughs> yeah, well, we had a coach like crazy. that here in at Ottawa. Remember that, Steve? When actually Dalglish, Kenny Dalglish's son, was the coach here at Ottawa Fury, and they would they I think they lost like seven or eight games in a row. But after every game, oh, yeah. he would go on Twitter and say we had nineteen successful crosses, yeah. we had nine this, and he would specifically give about seven stats yeah. that were wins, but they lost four nil. And he was, he was, it was just, it was hopeless. And you're preaching to the choir with analytics and stats and all this ridiculous situation that's happening here. And like, like you said, there's, there's non football people now running football clubs and mm-hmm. that's where it's, it's dying. And people like, you know, 
I don't want to say, uh, you know, uh, I don't know offhand who's who's got the best eyes in the world, but it, you can't, you can't, I mean, going back to that whole philosophy of being British, you can't put in numbers somebody's desire, somebody's, uh, you know, culture, somebody's the way, you know, uh, somebody's fitness level, where you can, you know, and it's just garbage. And that's where it's, uh, that's where it's killing. It's killing me. It's killing everything. And with the clubs and the cultures and you sack one manager now, Okay, you want to have a culture in a club, you sack a manager, 17 backroom uh, staff leave with him, everybody mm -hmm. leaves with him, and now you have to bring in an entire new football club. So it's like, mm -hmm. how can you keep a culture if you sack 47 people at a time? It's mm -hmm. like, and, and that's where I like something like a, a Southampton or a, you know, where it's like they have this design in the backroom, they have their youth structure, they have this, that and the other. And the, the man, the manager, you plunk in. He does this thing and, and you kind of, you know, it's like one piece in and out. I mean, they're not winning trophies, but at least you know how Southampton is. Yeah. yeah. yeah and um, I think, you know, there, there, there's, there's something we spoke about Bielsa, who's quite, you know, obviously fanatical about data. But one of the frustra frustrating things about him as a Leeds fan is that he has, he's like way too human. He's so emotional. He's so, he, he, he's, he, in one minute he's detached and another minute he has these loyalties with players and he has this belief in players, which is almost, uh, you know, like it's projection. It's, it's, he's like their father and he won't give up on them. And, you know, Stuart Dallas should not be a premiership player. I, I don't care what anyone says. Brentford sold him because they didn't think he'd be good enough to have that push in the championship to get to the premiership. We took him and he was our best player as we came up to the premiership. And I would say he's been our best player this year so far. So, you know, you don't get those results. And I think about Leicester City as well. You know, on paper, nothing, nothing. And and it required that bit of magic, bit of chemistry. And, you know, it was, it was really funny because I'm sure you've read plenty about it, heard plenty about it. But basically that team, I have a theory about footballers is that basically, you know, Cy and I both work in education and they're basically just teenagers, that need the slightest bit of motivation. And so Ranieri came out and he said, when they won a football match, he would go and buy them a pizza. Yeah. These are people that are on 50,000 pound a week, mm -hmm. but he would take them out as a group of teenagers and say, I'll buy, buy you a pizza. And they enjoyed being part of a team. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what you, you know, uh, that's it, what you do for me, Stu, isn't it? With the, with the podcast. That's how you yeah. keep me on board. Um, every, every so often I start getting a bit maudlin and a bit like, I want to do other things with my time. A pizza yeah. suddenly arrives. And, <laughs> and I, 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 what, what makes me smile is like, I want to take you back in time a little bit to when Bolton were like one of the top clubs under Allardyce. Who are, I'm, I'm obsessed with Allardyce, um, but particularly Kevin. Mostly Day because he shares his BMI, by the way. <laughs> outrageous um yeah uh, but but like kevin davis was their striker and like i i think kevin davis is the epitome of like non-data-led football because everything about him suggested that he shouldn't be as successful as he was but yeah. you ask any arsenal fan you ask any manchester united fan in that era who they didn't want to be going up against it was kevin davis he was brutally effective but I think in today's game, with, with the, the data-led um, sort of approach, I don't think he'd get a look in. I, mm. I think he'd be like the third or fourth choice striker. And I, I think maybe you're, you're right, Stephen, in terms of like, it, there, there's some, like when you talk about like sort of the mystery has gone from, from the World Cup, there's something oh, yeah. like, I, I almost like, I sometimes seek to be deceived 
as a football fan. Like, oh, like we we were talking to this statistical philosopher, and like I think I, I in a, in a rare moment of honesty, I sort of was like, I just. I just like the 0.1% chance that we might be this team. And I think he, he had a dismissive response. He was like, that's because you're the person they're selling stuff to. And, and so sort of like just moved on. And I was like, oh, well, I am. And it, it was like, but, but actually I think, yeah, may, maybe you're right. That, that actually, and maybe part of the, the, the loss for me in terms of for international football and the, the sort of the, the majesty that it used to have is, is the fact that actually yeah, these guys are all play on the same team and I see them every single week. Mm-hmm. And actually this manager managed that club that was in the premiership about two seasons ago. So I know that they're going to line up with a three, four, two, you know, as, as it goes. So like, it, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's one of one of those those difficulties, I guess, as we go forward. But it's also like a mark of its success because the, the, the alternative is that we make football so provincial yeah. That that actually we we would lose what is effectively the jewel in the crown. Like the Premiership is something that, like as as somebody from the UK, like I shouldn't feel proud about, but like I kind of also am that we've got like what most people would say is the best league in the world. When I don't know what they mean by that, it's the one that most TV money goes into. I think because like other leagues are more exciting to watch. Like the Championship is more exciting to watch than the Premiership. Um, but but actually, there's still an element of where it's like, yeah, it is. Yeah, home of football, like all of that sort of stuff. But there's no stats to back that up. It's just that sort of that heart sort of response that you have. Yeah, yeah, totally agreed. Yeah. That's why yeah, I think no, going to win the Premiership. And I, and yeah. I totally believe that. And, and there's, there, there, we've got a championship side. Yeah. Is there, a, is there that element where you are? Because where we are, it's like, whenever you're talking to someone from England or from Europe in general, who do you support? We say who we support and then we have to explain why it's like, there's, there has to be a backstory to be like, this is why I swear I didn't just jump. It's like, you're, you're constantly trying to prove yourself. So I kind of think to myself in England where you are now, do you have like where you live? Most people have their own local team, right? In league two or, you know, in the, I don't know the old conference. I don't know what it's called now, but yeah. it's like, so now are you married to that local team? Do you go to those games as well and have a premiership team? Like, are you, are you doubling up here? Is that how it works? I mean, the, the thing is football is so deep in this country that it, the minutia is at the end of my road, there is a ground where my local team play and 50 people come and watch every Sunday. And they're in the, what, what would you say? Sorry, the 15th, 16th tier. Of, of English football but I could go a mile that way and see a team in the 10th tier or I could go four miles that way and see a team in, in the top tier uh, and so there's we just have so many layers that you can you can pick and choose or you can literally throw a stone and go in that direction so it was it was interesting like because I I, I was I was fortunate to be born in Leeds um it's it's where God lives um it's it's what he created <laughs> first um some religion calls it eden uh, yeah. but but you know um it's it, but i was you know it, it, i read this great article that this journalist um who who was married to a leeds fan um she she was describing what it means to be in leeds and she basically said if you're from leeds you support leeds and she said if, if she can't imagine what it would be like if you were born in Leeds and supported Man United, but it would involve a public beheading by Lucas Radaby. <laughs> and actually, she got it right. It's like so where, where I was from, like the local game is, is strong because people just want to play football in Leeds. Mm. But like 
Weatherby and like the the clubs in, in and around that will always be really small because Leeds is, is is as it is. I moved away from Leeds. I lived in a place called Kent, which is sort of south of London. And I, I, I sort of actually went the opposite way because I had my my big club, even though, you know, we've been in Division One and all of that sort of thing. Um, I found Dover, Dover Athletic because I lived just outside of Dover. Um, and they were a club where, you know, they'd have the family fun days where you'd get about 500 people along. But on the whole, mostly it was between 100 and 200, like hard-bitten nutcases um, would be there. Like just, you know, the sorts of people that like shout at train stations, like by themselves. And you think, yeah. What's yeah. Going? like, I'd be stood there with them. Um, like, I've adopted this club. And what was really interesting for me is like, and I don't know for you guys, like with with like the clubs that you've, maybe adopted in some ways over in, in Europe, like I began to feel this like strange affinity with Dover that, that came close to my, my feelings about Leeds because I'd almost like chosen them. Yeah. And, and there was something quite powerful about that. I think also about the fact that they were not successful. Like they, yeah. they, they, at that time were in like quite a few tiers down. They've actually done relatively well since, but like, although it looks like they're going into administration now, but, um, <laughs> but like it, it's, it was one of those things that I was like, I think it was a reverse of what you're talking about there, because I think if yeah. you're not from if you're not from Liverpool and you support Liverpool, you've got to kind of explain why. If you're not from Manchester and you support Man City, well, <laughs> everyone knows what the answer is because of that. If you're like it's, it, you know what I mean. Like it's one of those things yeah. that you've got to explain why. And and so for yeah, me, it's a bit of a reverse one. It's what it's. There's a thing I call the commiseration point. There's where the teams are so unsuccessful that you don't have to explain yourself. And so once upon a time, like Leicester City used to be that team where yes. and now and now it's suspicious. If you yes, support Leicester City, so what's going on here? Um, Leeds United, <laughs> when they were playing, you know, Bristol Bristol Rovers in the in the in the in League court. One, yeah. you'd say to somebody, um, oh, I support Leeds United, they go, Oh, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay. And now you say you support Leeds United and they squint at you. Yes. Well, what's going on? Wait, well, what's happened? Is you, is they listen, you, they listen to your accent, old? don't they? Because yeah. because like both you and I, we don't sound like obviously like the, the regional accents. Like if you're from Leeds, you sound a bit like this. And it's really, really hard to understand what, what they're yeah. saying unless you're from that area. And like, and so it's, it's like, I'm from Leeds. Like my family are all still like hardcore Leeds. But like even then, I'd have to explain about that because it's like again like did you go to a private school or something like no i've, I've got a vocabulary mate but but like that, that's that sort of explanation that you you have to give i mean what, what where did liverpool come in terms of for you Stephen? for me it was, it was king kenny it was my my family were all celtic daft and just like brainwashed me with that and when kenny went there that's when i was young and so yeah my childhood was all about kenny douglish so it's been Liverpool ever since. Funny enough, to, to what you've just described with Dover, the more, the older I've gotten, the more I've been drawn to Partick Thistle because my, uh, my father and my grandfather, the only ones that aren't Celtic supporters and they were Thistle supporters. And I have like this utmost respect. You know, my father's passed away now and it's something that I think, you know, like well done to you, like not to do it in Glasgow. Mm. And to mm -hmm. go to Partick Thistle and I've got, I go to their ground when I go back and like I follow their results and it's the commiseration point too, where they never won anything. And yeah. I talk about when they won the league cup in 71, like I had anything to do with it or be there. <laughs> like I tell the stories my uncle said when he went and I'm like, you weren't there. You're from Ottawa. Like, who are you? But you know, I have that affinity for them. And you know, the longer it's gone, it's, it's like, I almost want them to be the team. I say is that's who I support, you know? 
So that, that's where Liverpool came from for me, and I turned it into a totally different answer with Partick Thistle. <laughs> Mark, what about you? Have you got a, a club in the UK that you follow? I've got to see it's, it's, it's the worst story ever. And you know what? It Don't is a bad story. Well, it, he said it three times. And I, yeah, and we, we had yeah, we had this conversation. We, we explained on our podcast. But a long story short, I'm a originally first and foremost a Rangers fan. My mom worked beside a Scottish lady who was cousins with Ali McCoy's. And they would get all the Betamax VHS tapes of every game. I would get like seven VHS is a month and I would watch that month of games in like the weekend and that's just how it worked and that's kind of where that came from and then they weren't on TV so then as I got older I have Ukrainian heritage and Kinchelskis was signed by Man United in 92-93 and that was like wow a Ukrainian in the premium so then it was Man United shirts from my grand and it's like that's kind of how both of those are born and now it's even worse because now I, I, I really have an affinity for both these two clubs. So when, when you ask that question, now I got to pick Thanks. one or I tell both stories and they're both good. So it's <laughs> both like, now I'm like, oh, for, you know, it's like, come on. And now I'm like, it's like what you said. I Stuart, you should have seen guys. the Leicester fans though. The Leicester fans over here got lined up on a firing block at one point to say like, there's no <laughs> way you're in Ottawa and you're a Leicester supporter. Yeah. Well, that's like, what we said earlier. People Steve. that were staring at them were like, because remember, there was the one guy coached at Fury, Steve Hill, and he's from there and he's been there. And, and this guy would walk down the street. I swear to God, I've always yeah. been. I'm from Leicester. He'd take out his passport. Like, <laughs> like people were getting it here big time. And like kind of rightfully so in a way to say, really, Leicester? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It, it, Leicester actually is, is, is colloquially known over here as the armpit of the Midlands, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, but and actually, it's funny because Leicester's a rugby town. Leicester Tigers are like the, yeah. the, the Man United yeah. of, yeah. of, of rugby. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so, so it's like, it, it's hilarious. Like suddenly all these football fans suddenly appeared out of, out of the blue. But uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I'm conscious of the I'm conscious of the time we've kept you guys um, no, not at all. talking for, for, for quite a while. Um, uh, Stuart, have you got any more, more questions, anything more you want? Do you want to rant a little bit more about how statistics are in the game? That, that felt like a loaded gun. <laughs> no, 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 I don't. The thing is, I, I, the other thing as well is I don't always understand them. So um, what I try to do desperately <laughs> is just, is just, um, is just pass off opinion as, as like solid gold, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the, the thing is, you know, it's interesting. Um, I always like to tell the story of um, how me and Sai kind of met, you know, we, and, and how our eyes met over a, a, a fax machine at work. Um, so effectively what happened was me and Sai came for a job at the, where I was working and um, I think it was like his first week there I didn't know him from Adam really apart from the fact that I'd sat with him on the day he was there and we were both standing at this printer and it was like a scene out of the office it's just both silent staring at it and it's just churning out page after page and um, he looked really pissed off he looked really angry and I thought I know what I'll do is I'll go straight to the obvious I said oh you, you know are you um you know how, how you doing you're right he said oh, I'm, I'm just angry about the football I said, oh, all right. and and then I remember the night before Liverpool had lost and I thought oh shit Liverpool supporter <laughs> and um and I said oh right okay what is it and he just turned around to me he looked at me and he said uh yeah it's just Leeds at the weekend and we looked at each other and I swear to god it was like Romeo and Juliet and our, our eyes met and and uh, and from that point onwards we've been in, inseparable um and it, it was incredible. And the thing was, it, it, what, the reason I bring it up is because sometimes, you know, we, we, we wander into psychology and how football works. And 
it's so strange. We didn't really know too much about each other, each other at all, other than the fact we had this chain around our neck, which was Leeds United, <laughs> that kind of made us stoop over and had done for years. And we noticed each other's like terrible posture. <laughs> and where we've just been broken and we just looked at each other and from that point onwards everything's been going well and so um <laughs> you know <laughs> well. we, we, thankfully we're both married so <laughs> don't don't worry about that but yeah, um yeah. but no it's just it's just interesting how it kind of um football like I say it's that one of the things that that, that makes me a bit depressed about football in the 21st century is that the magic of that printer is kind of being lost a little bit with the over analysis. And I think okay. lockdown has just absolutely killed it. I've got to the point now where actually I'm starting to turn football matches off about at half time sometimes. So I'm thinking to myself, there's too much football. I know too much about it. There's, I'm seeing, I know as, when you know as much about every other team as your own, yeah, it's yeah. just an unusual situation. Yeah. And the analysis becomes pedantry. And the um, we did a podcast, last podcast we did was just about how awful punditry is at the minute, how dreadful it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, really bad, really bad. And and they can't, they've got people queuing around the block on, on our TV, TV channels, mostly ex-players that can barely understand, you know, um, what's on the back of a can, let alone we know what's happening <laughs> in a football match. And yeah. they're just trotting out. Yeah. nonsense over and over again and and it's just driven us to distraction and we're coming out of lockdown soon so i think even for you guys like being far away you'll start to see our stadiums bouncing and mm-hmm. and everything will be that much more interesting and just before we go i, I do want to talk just for five minutes about var oh my god <laughs> it's like a swear um, word <laughs> let, let, let's just do a very quick fire like t- t- tell me what you're thinking t- tell me uh, do you think it's going to exist uh, my personal feeling is that when we get fans back in the stadium there'll be almost like a uh, uh, a mob democracy where yeah, people no. will start to say I'm not witnessing this every week it's not, I agree I'm not and that's that's how it is I think I texted Steve about it the other day where or another buddy it's like now when you score there's zero reaction for at least a minute and a half until the kickoff so you can't yeah. even get up. It's like for me, the p- fist pump happens when the kickoff happens. I'm like, okay, they can't go back now, right? And then I look yeah. around. I'm asking my kid. He's eight. I'm like, they can't go back, right? I don't know. Can they? <laughs> I don't know well, what's, what's happening. interesting is um, I am I am uh, addicted to gambling, right? And so on my mobile phone, when I'm putting my bets on, the only way I know a goal is actually scored is when they're paying out money. <laughs> and so they they do that before even the referee announces it. So I'm looking at my app at William Hill, or whatever, and it's going. Okay, right. If I cash out now, I've got 40 quid or whatever. Um, and they're not even announced it yet on the TV. And, yeah. and so for, in some way, shape or form, they're just that one step ahead. And I think to myself, right, something's gone wrong here. Right, something's yeah. gone really wrong. We actually swore we in our podcast we weren't going to talk about it. We're like, no, nah, don't do that. Don't be those guys. And I'm going to say, I, like, this is a bit like suck up to you guys maybe. But when the Bamford one, when he was pointing for the yeah. through ball and they called mm. him offside. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought, it's brilliant. He's communicating. He's like, that's so well. And now he's offside. I... I that's when I snapped and I came on the show and I ranted for half an hour and it was the like lowest rated show we've ever had ever, but I had to get it out. Like, what is this? Is, is there any part of it that you think is useful? Because the thing is, the other thing about VAR is that as Sai said already, like we've, we've been watching rugby for 20, 25 years, the pair of us and for video, it's so, it's so intrinsically part of like what makes rugby even exciting. You know, someone yeah. goes over the line. It's such a melee. It's such a mash that you're kind of looking for a bit of clarity. The thing about football is, simple like yeah. it, it's really yeah. really simple 
I, I um, do love the way rugby does it. Like then there's been a lot of examples floating around on the web yeah. lately when all these decisions, why can't you just do it like this and explain it? Mm. I can't answer why they don't. I think that's genius. I have to say like, I'm, I'm coming across as like this big American, but like the American football, their replay doesn't distract from the game. When I watch, like it's a quick, no. you know, it's done. It's just more efficient. Maybe VAR's not there yet. Maybe we just have to go through growing pains. But I feel like it's. I think there's. I think there's something gone wrong there. Yeah, it feels like it's getting worse. That's what I. I feel like there's just no clarity on anything. Is it? Yeah. Is it a failure of the rules though? Like, so I, I come from the perspective that VAR itself is is because we had VAR before, didn't we? And it worked really well. VAR is neutral. I think it's a failure of the rules. The VAR is going to flag that that arm is offside. If your rule is saying that the arm is offside, it's the rule that's at fault, not yeah. VAR. And so for me, I think I think practically, I think you're right. I think there's things that they can do that a bit like the cricket, a bit like the rugby, a bit like the American football, get it up, get it sorted, move on. Yeah. But actually, this it's. I think we've got a real crisis with the rules. Strangely yeah. enough, Arsene Wenger has come out with some quite interesting ideas. That. Yeah, and, and I think he's probably got the way forward because... Again, like philosophically, it's if I won't go into it, but it's something that it's like something can be right but feel wrong, and something can be wrong but feels right, and and that thing that's wrong in terms of he's he's offside, but he doesn't feel like he's offside, yeah. and so let's just carry on playing. Like, I think Stu's probably right when when you've got thirty five thousand Yorkshiremen in Elland Road <laughs> saying maybe you don't want to check VAR single yeah. man in the middle of this pitch. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see the variability in the checking because the thing is, what's interesting about VAR is that there's there's layers of decision-making. So it's, I think that person's offside, shall I check it? It's not always automatic. And sometimes you're watching a match and it's like, they've not even checked something and you think, that was a blatant penalty. Yeah. Like, But they've not even checked it. Yeah. And then something will happen in a flash and everyone will be getting on with the game. And then you're like, they're checking for something. Yeah. Well, what are they checking yeah. for? Yeah. Uh, someone <laughs> yeah. kicked the ball at 45 miles an hour at someone's arm and they're given a penalty. And it's exactly. it's just unusual. Yeah. I just yeah. for me, it's like who makes the call on the check. And and I think to be honest with you, I think they should scrap it for offside. And yeah. and let's live like we did for the best part of hundred years with every now and then someone being offside and scoring a goal. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of it. It's just part Evens of it. itself out. Evens when they itself. get that red line to go against the green, like I, I lose it, I leave the room. <laughs> I go yeah. get a beer or I go get a snack. That's time to like, I get feel back. like it's too much. It's almost the, it goes back to the data for me. Now the computers yeah. are happening wow. and arrows and, and I'm like, you know, you've lost me. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. yeah. But it's also, um, it's stuff like someone's like a quarter of an inch of someone's knee is offside. And you just think to yourself, yeah. Like what Sly was just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it is. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to hear a bad word against VAR because if VAR had been in place, the hand of God wouldn't have happened, and um, and and we so so parochially, jingoistically, yeah, as a, brilliant. As a as someone who can say it without getting lynched down the street, though, isn't it a bit part of the fabric of the game and the romance of like what he's done and that he's a scoundrel and he scored that goal and and then he scored the most beautiful thing you've ever seen a minute later? Like, isn't that in some small way, even English, isn't that? juxtaposition of what he did in that game fascinating to you no Stu, do you want to um do you want to wrap up is that... yeah let's just i hope this gets released someday var says you're offside steve var indicates steve is highly offside this has happened to me before well listen guys it's been an absolute pleasure and i tell you what we're gonna have to do this again because i absolutely enjoy myself it's been fantastic to listen to you guys this is 
could you would you like it if perhaps um, in I don't know how many games time uh, ten games time we get together and talk about the end of the season? Yeah, why don't we have you on ours? And, yeah, brilliant. You know, maybe you can tap into our three listeners, and uh, and maybe that'll help you out a little bit. <laughs> you can and add we'll to our two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Stuart, Stuart and I regularly listen to our own podcast. Um, so that's two at least. I said three because Mark puts it on his, uh, he has two devices he uses. So, uh, you know. Get our stats up. Get your kid's phone. Get everybody's phone in the house going. Put it on. Yeah, yeah, no. we, were, we were 890th in Faroe Islands one week. It was fantastic. I tell you something for nothing. Our podcast was um, the most listened to footballing podcast in, I think it was Southern Thailand one week. Wow. Wow, <laughs> which I think those forty-seven football fans in South Thailand were really living it up on that beach. So. <laughs> we, we, next, next show we do is about the Taiwanese national team. We're going to talk <laughs> all about them. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. It was one, it was one show. Amazing. It was one show, and then they didn't listen again. So they they were distinctly no. underwhelmed. And I think, and, I'd sim- and I remember, I'm going to bring the tone down a little bit. I remember I did I did a, a decent glut full of, of of cock jokes as well that one. So they they can't have they can't have got that too much. Um, so um, thanks very much for for, for talking to us. Yeah. It's been great. Um, I'll be back in touch with you. Um, in a couple of months' time, and we'll do a bit of a roundup of the season. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah that'd be brilliant. Awesome. I think that's fantastic. Awesome, guys. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks. Cheers. Take care of yourself. Thanks, guys. Ta-da.